0: Welcome to episode 28 of The Ladcast. My name is Kesha Pratibadi, and I'm a wannabe podcaster who will be your host. It's Thursday, October 1st, 2020, and I'm at home in Amarillo, Texas. On today's show, I'll be joined by two of my college buddies and fantasy football aficionados, Roshan Nair and Brett Riley, to talk about some out-of-this-world topics and a little football to go right along with it. You might think those two topics don't go together, but that's the live cast for you. The show about nothing that has everything. If you don't care much for sports, worry not. You'll definitely learn a thing or two if you stick around until the end. Well, introductions aside, let's get right into it.
1: I hate country music. I never have gotten it.
0: Country music goes a lot harder than rock music, and people just don't seem to realize that. It's very frustrating. The Cowboys are
1: the worst team in football.
0: Ever think about how you spin your clothes in a wet metal tube and then bake them in a different metal tube to undo the wetness?
1: How do you think your college life would be different if you hadn't met your best friends?
0: Austin is the single most overrated city in the country. And at maximum, overdrive lit.
1: Hey, my name is Anika Shah. Ria Coleman Quincy Godfrey Oxford. Roshan. Brett. Marshall Ling. Vishnu. And this is the... LAD 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 Lad. LADCAST LADCAST
0: LADCAST
1: And you're listening to LADCAST
0: You're listening to the LADCAST Alright, welcome to episode 28 of the LADCAST My name is Keisha Pratibadi and I'll be your host today Today I'm joined by two of my good friends from college. Uh, you met Roshan Nair last week, um, but on the other side of him on my FaceTime, I've got Brett Riley. Um, Roshan and Brett, welcome to the show. Well, welcome back, I should say. Hello,
1: hello. Brett everyone. Oh yeah, what's going on?
0: So, yeah, now, now that we're just getting started, uh, why don't we just go through with some intros real quick. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, where, what you, what do you do? Or where do you stay? And Obviously, the most important thing, your fantasy football team name.
2: Who up again? Me?
0: Yeah, whatever. I don't I'm know. Sure. Roshan, you're first in our league. Why don't you go first?
2: <laughs> the <laughs> privileges, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well,
1: um, I'm Roshan Nair. Um, I'm a master's student in aero-astro-engineering at Stanford University, so I'm hanging out in the Bay Area right now. Uh, my fantasy team name is the Am Maharaja or Hindi for the mango king both reflecting one my love for mangoes and two mangoes position as the king of all fruits and you can find me on social media at roche pops on instagram that'd be the best spot all right brett all
0: right
2: uh what's up everyone um my name's brett Uh I uh, graduated from UT at Aero in 2019. so how I met these two pools. Um, <laughs> I'm now working at Northrop Grumman uh, as a space systems engineer uh, here in Washington D.C. Um, about six months ago, so just kind of enjoying the work from home life the past six months, and honestly, it's been great. Um, my fantasy team name is CT Insult. Inse- <laughs> <I can't remember. laughs> it's a tongue twister. <laughs> I- it's <laughs> telepathy, it's telepathy, there we go, uh, and that TTE obviously is an ongoing meme and it's uh, very prominent within our friend group, um, and uh, I have a, f- a picture of our friend Vishnir kind of just passed out after a fun night out, so um, they kind of...
0: encapsulate the, the whole thing, huh? C-T- yeah, there exactly. you go.
2: Exactly. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at uh, Brent Riley underscore, where I have a grand total
0: of four posts. All right. Four big ones at that. All right. Sweet. So, yeah, um, Brett, glad to have you on the show. Roshan, welcome back. So why don't we dive right into it? So kind of just to get started on the show, uh, one thing that obviously brought us together was um, UT and the time we spent there. We studied aerospace engineering. Now, some of us are pursuing that and others are working in industry. In there, so might, might as well start on, that, start on that topic itself, the space exploration. I mean, uh, what as I mean, obviously we're working towards advancing the advancing the industry in the field ourselves. But personally, where do you see um, space travel or space exploration in about ten years?
2: Uh, I think Brett should start on this one. Sure. Well, 10 years. Well, that's a big one. Um, I think in 10 years, we will will have walked back up the moon, uh, something that hasn't been done since, I believe, 70s at this point. Um, I don't remember how many original Apollo missions there were that were successfully... Was it like 18?
0: I think 18 Apollo missions, right?
2: 18 18 were planned. Okay. um, I think the last three got canned. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. So. We're on track for a man walking on the moon by 2024 uh, with the uh, HLS, otherwise known as the Human Lander System mission. Um, and I feel like as that mission kind of first is kind of like the proving grounds for uh, our future moving back towards the space space uh, exploration in the moon specifically. Um, we're going to see a lot more missions to the moon from 2024 on 2030, especially with the. Uh, Establishment of the Gateway, which is essentially an international space station orbiting the moon rather than the Earth. is going to serve as the bridge to the moon. Um, and by 2030, I think we'll be venturing out to Mars, uh, mm-hmm. looking out further into the galaxy. Um, and uh, This is a new age of space, and I think uh, there are a lot of opportunities out there.
0: So I mean it, so obviously um humans landed on the moon about what you said back in the seventies was the last time, and once the space shuttle program once the space shuttle program kind of shuttered off, um, there were really uh, it feels like there was a little bit of idle time in terms of how far humans could you know how far away from Earth humans could actually go sure we've been going to the international Space Station um several times, and now with obviously you see the SpaceX dragon and all these other um capsules that are able to make it up there and um, we're slowly getting back to that point but what do you feel like has been the big roadblock these past maybe 40 50 years and
2: uh, that's that's a tough question I, I mean I think obviously you have to point to funding and interest um, in space it's uh, just the it's politics
0: not- and and space just they are two two worlds you don't want to collide but they just inevitably do
2: <laughs> exactly they've been kind of a you know at a stalemate the last uh, the last 40, 50 years, which has really just not really driven any sort of production towards spacecraft and and research and kind of furthering space exploration. Mm -hmm. It's kind of unfortunate, but um, we're not moving back to the same sort of interests in the 50s and 60s that originally drove um, our keen interests for exploring uh, space. And and I I think a huge factor in it has been uh, big people like – Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos really kind of driving the private side of the industry and opening up the door for for more competition um, to reach uh, space.
0: I think that I think that's true. Like the competition is what really drives. Um, these innovation in, in this industry I mean you, looked back, you look back in the 60s and the, the 50s and the 60s as well I think just the fact that the Russians were going to space is, what, this is why the Americans are like no we got to do this too we got to really one up them and I think you can kind of see that same thing with like SpaceX and Blue Origin and any of these other companies that are vying to, vying to make it up just outside of the Earth's atmosphere so yeah I can, totally, I can totally see the competition aspect of it I mean Roshan what do you think um, Where do you, where do you see us in about 10 years
1: uh, in 10 years, I do agree that I see us going back to the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing before I continue is that I do want to correct. Uh, 17 was, in fact, the last Apollo mission. Okay. Eighteen, nineteen, 19, and 20 were the ones that were planned Man, and canceled. Right. So that was in 72. Um, but yeah, I, I do see us going back to the moon. That seems to be the agreed-upon priority right now. Um, obviously, priorities change. Um, organiza- uh, rather, presidential... Um, President-to-president, president, rather. Administration-to-administration. Yeah, administration. sure. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Um, so hopefully, once satisfactory progress has been made on the moon missions, the new moon missions, and that'll be enough to um, keep the needle pointed in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely do see the potential for a lot more scientific exploration, um, again, in sort of exploring this potential for human life in other areas of the solar system, Um, sort of drive that I think is what's characteristic of NASA's role as a scientific, more than exploratory organization Yeah,
0: absolutely. Because there's so much we got to learn as that we can, there's so much that we can learn before we even go to go to a certain place. I mean, yeah. So I
1: I think, I think in my opinion, it's like the, the private sector is almost like perfecting avenues to get like human space flight. Right. Extremely functional and, and working in all possible realms um, here and then eventually, you know, SpaceX's goal well to, is to make it to Mars. And I think NASA has sort of settled into the more um, general scientific for sure. and more like lofty ambition type role mm-hmm. um, as we go forward.
0: Right. And honestly, it's good that it is that way because otherwise you're putting more eggs into one basket. Now it, you're seeing a little bit more of that balance that you want. Out of a, out of something, out of out of space, the initiatives in space like this. So I think we all agree that we're definitely going to get to the moon before Mars. But do we get to Mars before twenty thirty, or do we probably get there afterwards?
2: No, not uh, before twenty thirty. Well, Elon Musk says yes. Um, you know, Elon Musk has a tendency to be incredibly ambitious, maybe beyond mm-hmm. what is humanly possible. But according to uh, I think a press release or maybe just a, a tweet. Uh, Elon Musk <laughs> Elon Musk claims that his starship yep. uh, will be capable of landing on Mars around 2024, which is about you know less than four years time. Uh, is that possible? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'd love to get proved wrong on this one.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'd love to see. I'd love to get proved wrong too. Right.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with not 2030
0: yeah I'd, I'd probably, within 2040 yeah 2030 mm-hmm. probably not at the it, pace that we've been going probably be not cool
2: yeah I, I mean i don't know if you guys have seen how large the starship is it's massive he plans to have this launch be able to travel mm-hmm. through space with a crude you know a crude absolute yeah. spacecraft land on the Mars and come back and be fully reusable and he has to do that in three and a half years and I mean is that feasible doubt it even a
0: well if, if, even a mission like that if say if they sent the Starship there with nobody on board for it to go there and come back how long would that take it
1: depends on the yeah. opportunity he mm-hmm. used mm-hmm. Um, but let's see there's the 30 day opportunity Forget how long the transfer time is. there
0: back on that. Yeah, so I think that they're definitely after. Do you think they'll be sending these sending these empty capsules to and from to and from Mars before they actually send a human on there? Or are they going to just go one shot, send humans there, send humans on this rocket, um, and just let it be that way?
2: Well, it's it's all about proving capabilities. You know, first, you know, they have to do it before they have to essentially prove that. The technology is capable of landing um, and it, in, in a sense it just serves to show as a demonstration uh, that it's possible um, so they'll always do it without crew at first okay uh, so that's how it that's how it's gonna be with uh, these initial moon missions as well so yeah it's, that's kind of the standard in the space industry
0: mm-hmm okay well hey that's, that's pretty good discussion there and I mean Obviously, we have these big. Um, we have the big goals with the moon and Mars. But are there any other any other initiatives that you've noticed or that you've taken note of or just participating in that are things that could have an interesting impact on uh, the future space?
1: Well, so I think um, there's been a little bit of, of relevant scientific discoveries in the last uh, week or so. Um, they discovered. A uh, particular chemical, uh, phosphine, I believe, in the analysis of the Venus atmosphere, which currently those scientists are asserting could only be created by life Mm -hmm. or something alive in order to create phosphine. Um, And honestly, it's been pretty interesting seeing the um, almost overwhelming pivot to looking at Venus as a... um,
0: Habitable planet? source
1: of scientific exploration. Yeah, I mean, that
0: place is... I mean, these, insane it, as it is, it's insanely hot. mean like, the atmosphere but, is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe,
1: maybe not life, but mm-hmm. in terms of things living there, that'd be sure. extremely interesting. And then the new discovery of the um, underground lakes on Mars as well mm-hmm. helps solidify Mars as a um, interesting candidate. Yeah. For
0: because um, I mean, we always it's knew it's about the uh, the poles and the pol- the polar ice caps that it had, but um, yeah for sure having those underground lakes is is makes, makes it even more of a even more of a tantalizing opportunity but yeah that's great and I mean for me too like I was kind of I'm just kind of looking at life on another planet or on another body It's like kind of what was interesting to me when I was looking at other interesting missions to look at uh, one of them was the Europa clipper. And this was looking at uh, um, Jupiter's moon, Europa, and it was seeing whether that could harbor human life. So obviously Europa is a moon, I think, that's just basically a a giant ice ball. But underneath its icy crust, there is an ocean full of liquid water. So this um, this satellite is going to do about I think forty five or forty five or so flybys of the moon, and it's going to have like a thermal instrument on board that'll be able to survey the, the surface of the moon for warmer patches of water, and which will kind of indicate some sort of eruptions of that water from underneath the crust, making it to the surface, which could show that hey maybe this planet is habitable after all. But I mean the fact, but even with that, I don't think. Europa has an atmosphere which makes it um, habitable for humans to be in. And then on the other, on the complete other side of the spectrum, you have Saturn's moon Titan, which has an atmosphere which is denser than that of the Earth, about 1.45 atmospheres. But the thing is, it's so freaking cold on Titan, it's like almost negative 300 degrees Fahrenheit, that you probably, you wouldn't, though you wouldn't need a pressure suit to be on, stand on the surface of Titan, you'd probably die, you'd probably just freeze to death instead. So there's two like, total polar opposites here, but two pretty interesting uh, interesting, interesting prospects.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up uh, is kind of the topic of asteroid mining. Uh, and, you know, this is kind of a, you know, a future sort of way to, to gather resources, you know, and it's, it's more so in the line of science fiction where we have a you few know, finite resources on Earth. And so there's this drive to reach out to um sources outside of earth um and it all starts with kind of missions to prove that like i mentioned earlier that we, we are capable of doing such a um and this has already been completed by uh the japanese japan aerospace exploration agency otherwise known as jaxa with their Hayabusa 2 spacecraft mm-hmm. um, back in february they actually touched down on the year uh, of asteroid called Ryugu, and um essentially what they did is they they shot like a, a harpoon projectile into the asteroid which kind of uh created a uh, like an explosion of uh, rocks and and many pebbles that they were able to gather um and they're now on uh, a trajectory back to earth and essentially expect to fly by uh, earth in late 2020 this year uh, to release their samples and uh, in a re-entry capsule uh, that will be gathered and studied by uh, people here on Earth to Mm -hmm. essentially understand what uh, kind of materials are present within uh, a natural asteroid and and to see how they could potentially benefit life here on Earth um, as we venture out um, to those sources outside. Yeah, I mean, once we
0: run out of resources here, we got to look somewhere else, right? So, yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm looking at it online now. The, this mission started in on December 3rd, 2014. So it's been almost six years, and that's probably when this that's probably when um, this satellite's going to land again uh, somewhere off the coast of Australia. Is what it looks like. So they it left the it left the um, the asteroid, excuse me, um, just about a year ago, I believe, and. Or, the, yeah, just the 12th of November, so it's getting close. That's that's definitely the future. In fact, uh, my engineering communications class, uh, we did um, one of our uh, presentations on asteroid mining, which is pretty fun. <laughs> so, funny that you brought that up. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot to talk about in those fields.
2: Certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh- and you know, you, you bring up connections to the coursework. Uh, Rosha and I, you uh, know, one of our space design courses uh, had a uh, mission called ACE, otherwise known as Asteroid Capture Expedition, um, where we uh, kind of design a mission similar to Hayabusa two, um, and a kind of Lockheed equivalent, uh, kind of leveraging heritage, like that, design a similar mission for capturing an asteroid, and so. It's definitely something, you know, with all these missions that we talk about, uh, there's driving projects uh, similar to those that we we complete in school. And um, the next generation of aerospace engineers are are kind of well prepared to take on um, whatever uh, sort of missions and desires uh, out there in space are going to be available in the near future.
0: Yeah, man. So, I mean, this industry, it, does, it just does feel like this industry is the future. So, um, I'm sure, like, even though we really only spent about 15 minutes talking about it today, we might have to spend an hour talking about it a year from now. So, yeah, guys, that's good stuff. So, let's let's take this conversation in a completely different direction here uh, with a little football talk. Uh, but uh, right before that, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. You're listening to The Latcast.
2: Somebody save me from the mundane I've been watching TV to entertain Shut my tired eyes and forget my pain
0: of the LADCAST. My name is Keisha Protivadi, I'm your host, and I'm joined by Roshan Nair and Brett Riley. We just talked a little bit of space, so why don't we bring you back to Earth and talk a little bit of fantasy football. I love that transition. Um, so let's talk a little bit about our fantasy football league. So last week, uh, Roshan continued to stay hot. The Am Maharaja put up, I think, 170 points on the back of Aaron Jones. As well as do you have Patrick Mahomes, oh, Camaro, Alvin Kamara, um, Aaron Jones. I think probably two of the best fantasy running backs. Um, and they killed Brett last week, and they killed Josh this week. So, um, I mean, I have I feel like I feel like by 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 far Brett. I don't know if you agree or not, but have have they established themselves as the best team so far? I mean, 160 points per game is pretty much unheard of in our fantasy league. I don't think I've seen it before.
2: Yeah, having been on the receiving end last week and despite putting up roughly I think, 140 points, uh, I, I concur. Yeah,
0: and I mean, like, just myself, like, I, I think after I saw your point output from this week, Roshan, I looked on my schedule, like, how I was, like, kind of, like, afraid I was going to play you real soon. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I, <laughs> I think I'm only playing you in week 11, so we'll see what happens during that time. For um, shame. For shame, I know I don't. I don't get to. I don't get to get my ass whipped by you uh, anytime soon. But uh, we'll see how the, We'll see how it goes. Um, I mean, what, what what's going on in your mind? I mean, you looked at. You have two solid running backs. Um, you are you. How are you feeling about your wide receiver situation?
1: Well, we got Galladay back, and, and he scored a touchdown in his starter opener, so that was good. Mm-hmm. So, about one wide receiver away from having a full lineup. Yeah, there you go. Um, enjoying having James Robinson doing well at the flex, scoring. That was a good pickup. Despite. Yeah.
0: Jacksonville eternally playing from behind. Yeah, and, I, and I, so, yeah, I've yeah, i definitely been slow on the waiver wire, so that's a solid pickup on your end. And speaking of good waiver pickups, you know who else had a good one? That was Brett. Brett picked up Daryl Henderson last week, though he left him on the bench. Uh, you still got the win, Brett. 133-115 to 115 over Riasad. I mean, you made a lot of moves last week, obviously, with the Henderson pickup. So, I mean, what did they bring to your team? What were you looking for?
2: Well, my biggest pickup, and, uh, just to correct you, I actually played against Rishi. Uh, oh,
0: shoot. I don't know why it's a race
2: up. They're both guilty of forgetting to start their flex, so, Mm. you know.
0: uh, (laughs) That's why I couldn't tell the difference.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah, so they're easily... How did both of them do that? I'm not sure, you know, and uh, I reminded Rishi, actually, he tried to be a good sport um, twice, and he still failed to do it, so... uh, Just walk over to his apartment, man, he lives there now. Dude, I know. (laughs) (laughs) He helped me move the day before we played, and I reminded him in person. Uh, maybe I should have just taken his phone and done it for him. Um, <laughs> uh, he also left Josh Allen on the bench, which was a mistake. Oh, but yeah. To answer, to answer your question, Keshav, um, my biggest waiver wire pickup actually was Mike Davis, uh, who I started at my flex last weekend. Um, and he's uh, been, you know, he got eight he perceptions for. Number of yards, but he's definitely taken advantage of uh, Christian McCaffrey's injury. And I kind of I saw that, and I saw his performance during the fourth quarter uh the game that Christian McCaffrey was injured. And I knew for sure that he'd be a big part of that offense. So um, I made sure to prioritize taking him up last weekend. Mm-hmm. He definitely uh, brought in the points for me, uh, scoring 23 points. Uh, Flex, uh, and so I continue. I will continue to start him, and you know until Christian McCaffrey comes back. Um, I expect his production to decrease once that happens, but he's been uh, kind of the gold star for me so far mm-hmm. uh, off the waiver wire.
0: Yeah, there you go. That's a solid pickup. My my pickup for this week was uh, Rex Burkhead uh, coming off a thirty-four point outburst last week. Uh, six ca- six carries, forty-nine yards, two touchdowns, and. Seven catches, forty-nine yards, and a touchdown. So I don't, I don't really know who the running, who's like the go-to running back in New England right now. It just seems to be like a carousel, as it always has been. But I think Rex Burkett has always been like a, 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 not really a staple, but he's definitely been a fixture in the offense for some time. So I might roll the dice with him this week, considering what the Derrick Henry situation is with the COVID up in ten down in Tennessee. I don't know if it's up in Tennessee or down in Tennessee, whichever you want to call it, but
1: middle in
0: Tennessee middle Tennessee just like the university um, but yeah I mean that's kind of where I that's kind of where my heads at um, so I'm kind of mad that I didn't pick up Daryl Henderson I saw I mean I didn't really know I always thought that Malcolm Brown was gonna be the starter and then he gets 20 carries for like hundred and something 120 y- or like 10 carries for like 120 yards on a touchdown like last week against the bills so yep. uh, yeah it's Things have changed so fast in fantasy football, so it's really frustrating. I mean, I'm facing Rios out next week, so I mean, for me, the burning question is whether he's really going to fill his flex slot or not. But <laughs> we'll find out. And uh, I'm 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 usually not one to trade, and I'm thinking I might have to make a move here soon if I want to have a more solid running back. Because I'm happy with my receivers. I have Mari Cooper, Adam Thielen, and Stephon Diggs, so I'm pretty I'm pretty set there. But I definitely need a running back to make up for it.
2: Well, if you're regretting
0: not picking up Daryl Henderson and he's right in the bench, no, well, you know um, I don't make Talk deals about. over the podcast, but we can always do this offline. <laughs> Man, that's the that professional yeah. me coming out there. <laughs> oh, we'll touch base in a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: but I mean, yeah, just, um, this is a lot to be excited about in our fantasy league. Um, I'm surprised I'm three and zero, but I feel like um, the clock's taken on it. I've had some Monday night scares. Um, and I feel like it's just going to come to bite me. Um, you'll see a little bit of my analysis here on, um, down down the road. But I think what we really want to talk about was a couple of the NFL games you had this weekend. I know, Roshan, you're a big Steelers fan. Uh, Brett and I had to sit through, or, well, not, re- not you, not really, neither of us, really, because I only caught the second half of it. But we had to deal with the pain of the Cowboys losing for a second time this season. So, I mean, but the Steelers and the Texans, you saw Houston jump out to what it was a 14-3 to lead. Um, I don't think, but then I think Roshan woke up, and then the Steelers said, "Oh man, this guy's awake," and decided to start playing some football. So, I mean, what's your as a fan, Roshan? What's your takeaway from the Steelers game against um, their, their game against Houston?
1: It's just enjoyable to see the defense playing fully. Um, the first half defense wasn't particularly effective at shutting down Deshaun Watson, but something happened in, in the second half, and maybe it's the effectiveness of the pass rush, but going. Um, on extremely on the offensive uh, basically enabled the Steelers to completely shut down the Houston offense with just like an absolutely insane pass rush.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So it's been a lot of fun seeing that together and then just seeing the offense, maybe not as high flying as it was back in the
0: Antonio Brown days.
1: Yeah. The the killer B days, but um, certainly effective, much more effective than it was with um, either Duck Hodges or Mace Rudolph at the helm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and they're putting up enough points, and the defense is holding opposing teams to just enough points to keep the winning going.
0: Yeah, and I feel like so. also along with that, you saw like James Connor had a very effective day. Uh, I believe it was. I have the stats here. 18 carries, 109 yards on touchdown. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger didn't really have, like, an amazing game, per se. I mean, 23 of 36, 237 and two TDs. And he spread the ball out pretty well. I think he threw it to about maybe six, six or seven different receivers. And, I mean, no receiver had more than, I want to say, 50 or 60 yards or five catches at the maximum. So, I mean, I feel like the Steelers are getting good individual contributions from everybody across the board. And that's really what's made them pretty effective.
1: Absolutely, and yeah, I think another important factor is is just better O-line play. To, yeah, um, this is a bit of like I guess a quote unquote transition O line from the the line that existed during the, the Killer B days as well mm-hmm. that enabled Le'Veon, for example, to be so effective. But just as a whole, the team is properly coming together. So
0: yeah, for sure, and also as a testament so to nice Mike advantage. Tomlin, just being able to have his team ready no matter who he's got on his no matter who he's got on the field. So. I think that they've got a good situation in Pittsburgh, and I'm actually very interested to see them play this week against Tennessee, if it happens. Um, so, I mean, uh, Brett, with you, I know you've um, I know you watched the Texans a little bit, being from Houston. Um, so, like, what's it with the tale of two halves, with Houston always getting shut out in the second portion, just really disappearing? I mean, we saw this in week one against Kansas City, where the Texans had a solid start, a couple of nice opening drives, David Johnson rushing into the end zone. And You saw here that... Um, throw to Randall Cobb in the first half and 21, 21 first half points um uh, what's what's the problem in Houston and
2: that's that's a tough question um you know with regard to this game specifically I mean I think Roshan hit on the nail with the ceiling defense um you know it was more on the uh, not being able probably not being able to respond to a uh, second half adjustments made by the defense um I think Deshaun Watson is still a great young quarterback. He's, you know, he's very athletic and has uh, great mechanics and um, an ability to make plays. Um,
0: but does he have the weapons, though? I mean, do you trust Randall like Cobb really, and Will Fuller to be your number one, number two receivers? Yeah, I don't think you Randy can win this league with
2: like that. retirement, Will Fuller has always been kind of a wide receiver two or three at heart. Yeah, uh, he just doesn't have a supporting cast, and David Johnson is almost out of his prime, and so yeah, he's
0: not the guy he used to be. Because you see, David Johnson had it. I want, I want to say he had over 50 total touchdowns with the Cardinals in the past four years, but he was kind of he was kind of petering out. It's it felt like. So, I mean, what do you think Bill O'Brien was thinking when he traded for uh, traded DeAndre Hopkins away?
2: Oh man, that was a disaster move. I think, uh, and you're seeing it. DeAndre Hopkins is is a, arguably the number one or two was or top three probably. And, uh, in the country uh, last year. And the trade him away, and he's getting all the targets, uh, having crazy games over there at the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. Um, I think that was a disaster move, um, and really kind of goes to show what's going on there at the Texans. Um, I, I think their ceiling would be around the 9-7, 8-8, eight eight, kind of like the Cowboys.
0: I mean, um, I mean, like it also feels like the AFC South is a division that could be up for grabs. Um, come the end, come the end of the year, and I feel like it's one of those that'll be decided in like that week fifteen to week seventeen time frame. So it's really a matter of like uh, whether they, could, whether the Texans can protect Deshaun Watson, give him enough time to make a play because he, he he can only run for he can only run for so long. And I mean, and I feel like I feel like it's with any team. But if you leave, if you give your quarterback enough time, somebody will get open. So I think the Texans have time to figure it out, but it's just not looking good right now.
2: Agreed completely.
0: Yeah. And, uh, well, so, I mean, Roshan, like, how do you feel like the season's been so far for the Steelers? Has it exceeded your expectations, met expectations? I mean, is 3-0 where you saw yourself um, right now? Uh,
1: I'd say that that's, like, a reasonable place to be right now for the Steelers. I think Houston was, I guess, like, the first proper... Challenge. I don't want to say that without seeming too like egotistical, considering that all three of the teams that we played are 0 3 as of now. <laughs> um, but I think Houston's offense and defense was a perfect testing ground to ensure that what we were seeing out of the Steelers wasn't just a facet. Not, yeah. Um, playing bad the teams. the position they were playing. Right. But importantly, it's nice to see that the Steelers are not playing down to their competition.
0: Yeah, well, uh, speaking of playing down to the competition, that's something that, that uh, our team, uh, Brett and I's team, the Dallas Cowboys, just always seem to do. Um, we weren't really playing down to the competition this week. In fact, I think the Cowboys are playing up to the competition in a thirty-eight to thirty-one loss at CenturyLink Field in Seattle. Um, I was in Palmdale Canyon for the first half of that game, so I had no idea what was going on. No cell service. So Brett, I think you were at IKEA uh, moving furniture around. Um, getting, getting probably the most frustrated I've ever seen someone get with IKEA um, in uh, my short time on this planet. But <laughs> that that aside, uh, the um, the Cowboys dropped it thirty to thirty one, despite Dak Prescott throwing for four hundred and seventy two yards, and I think it was three touchdowns or four touchdowns, I forgot, but. Uh, yeah, three um, I mean, you can throw for 600 yards in a game, but if you have probably the worst secondary in the league, um, nothing's going to save you from uh, losing the game. And you saw that with Tyler Lockett being wide open on every single one of those touchdowns. Honestly, it should have been four if Trayvon Diggs didn't uh, punch that ball out of DK Metcalf's hand about a yard away from the end zone. I mean, what do you make of this, Brett? Um, what's, what's going on with this Cowboys team? Man, dude, it, secondary
2: just defense is awful. Uh, I don't you know what's their what's the average for points against again so far through three games. It has to be in the thirties, right? It's gotta be in the thirties.
0: Yeah. And you give up 40, 39 yeah. to Atlanta, you give thirty eight to Seattle, and you but you only give twenty to the Rams, but still.
2: Yeah, well there you go. It's it's obviously their defense. They can put up the points, they can compete, but I mean I feel like the, the pass rush just hasn't been the pass there rush has
0: definitely before. not been there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, we can never pressure on a quarterback. We got Vanderesch out now, so yeah, you know, our Kind of leader on the defense or linebacker that is said to be,
0: and it's frustrating because obviously you, you see like the way the Cowboys D line brands themselves as like the hot boys or whatever. You have Demarcus Lawrence, Tyron Crawford, Antoine Woods, all solid defensive players. But then you add Everson Griffin into the mix and Alden Smith. Sure, Alden Smith playing, playing lights up, but you expect more, putting more pressure on the quarterback. And um, then they have in these past few weeks, and I mean, you saw some of these, some of those plays. Russell Wilson had all day to throw, and he found somebody. So I mean, that, it just comes down to that. Eventually, you if you if you hype this up so much in the off season, there's not really much to show for it. Then this is the result we're going to get. But I think what frustrates me more as a fan is seeing the seeing the Cowboys secondary perform so poorly, but the front office do nothing about it. I mean, they asked Steven Jones this week whether he was going to. Uh, Whether he was going to make a change in the secondary or at least, um, you know, try out new players, Mm. Earl Thomas cough. Um, But, you know, they said that they're not going to do it. And I don't know. I don't know. Like it just brings me back to brings me back to saying that it's not the players that are the problem. It's the management that's problem. I mean, Jerry Jones is I feel like it, it all starts up there. But yeah, that's, 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 it's just frustrating to see this defense, the the way this defense plays and not really go about it. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what you guys think, but that's kind of what, that's kind of what I saw um, from, from that game.
1: Honestly part of it is like Russ is
0: playing out of his mind. Well like he's I you know and right he's and like I mean I d I didn't go in this go into this game like expecting the Cowboys to shut down Russell Wilson, but I also expected our the defense to make a play every once in a while. Like you saw the, we had a fourth down at the end of the game where it was about two minutes left, the Cowboys are up by one. All they needed to do was stop them and then they could almost almost run to the clock. I think Seattle had two timeouts left. And i um I felt the Cowboys would, could have been, could have been able to put the game away at that point, but if you can't make that, if you they don't make that play, and then it eventually costs them the game. So, yeah, it's annoying. And I mean, I don't know if Mike McCarthy's been the kind of coach that everyone built him out to be, or maybe I'm just overreacting.
2: Well, if weren't for uh, a miracle and uh, last week, the was would be zero and three right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we we still have a lot to see, and um, you know. They play the Browns this week, and the Browns have been performing pretty decently well this season so far. So they
0: kind uh, of found their groove against uh, Washington last week and uh, Cincinnati the week before. So I think this defense better watch out for Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. So I don't know how. I don't know. This might be the first time I'm afraid to play the Browns, but <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah.
2: definitely. Um, mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be a huge test. Um, kind of similar. Uh, great receiving corpse and up uh, and coming quarterback. So um, hopefully, it won't be the same result.
0: Hopefully, it won't be the same result. I mean, as a, as a um, and as, as a fan, I'm really hoping for that. But as someone who's been watching the game, I just don't know what to expect from the secondary, anyways. But yeah, enough about the Cowboys. Uh, we can always talk about them uh, and later on when we make our picks for the week. But uh, what was your honorable mention game for the week?
2: Rochelle, start.
1: I thought the um, Packers-Saints game was quite enjoyable to watch. Um, That was Sunday night, right?
0: That was Sunday night. Yep, the night game.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think watching Alvin Kamara run, obviously I have a um, horse in the race for this one. (laughs) Uh, But despite the Saints losing, I think watching him uh, run through space and make so many people miss, and then watching Aaron Jones on the other side with a completely different, almost violent running style... Yeah was a, uh, a very entertaining part of, of Sunday night.
0: And, he, I mean, I think college. the one play that stood out to me was obviously that 50-yard touchdown that Adams Camara had. It just felt like he was jogging the whole way um, on his way to the end zone. I think it was funny and, like, impressive at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. He just kept going and kept going and kept going with great blocking and perfect vision. Just, just that was... Cool. That was a
0: fun game to watch. Um, and, I mean, for me, I think my honorable mention the, um, was um, Buffalo not pulling in Atlanta and not blowing a 28-3 lead and escaping with a 35-32 to win against the Los Angeles Rams in Buffalo and improving to 3-0. and So, I think I really like I, – I feel like I've liked Josh Allen since he got in the league. I mean, people have really only viewed him as more of an arm rather than anything else um, since, he, since he made it in the league. Of in the draft, I mean, he was twenty four of thirty three, three hundred eleven yards, four touchdowns, and an interception, and uh, he had a rushing touchdown to go along with that as well. And I mean, he, I feel like he's definitely come come more into his own. Sure, like each of each of Buffalo's games has been relatively close. The, I mean, you play the Dolphins pretty close last the week before that, and then in week one they beat a pretty terrible Jets team by a touchdown. So. I don't know what to make of this, but I think getting wins like this under Josh Allen's belt will help him out. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw when he tried to do one of those like stupid laterals that he did against the Texans in the playoffs that almost cost him the game. Luckily, this one went out of bounds too. But I think Josh Allen's starting to get his name. He can start to get his name in that same conversation with like the rest of his 2018 draft class. I mean, that draft class was loaded. You see uh, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. Uh, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. Well, Josh Rosen's kind of uh, um, kind of flamed out now, but I mean that's still four great quarterbacks in the first round. So I think Josh Allen is definitely gonna make um, uh, definitely gonna raise a lot of eyebrows this year. So that was my honorable mention for the week.
2: Certainly, Josh Allen's uh, also a, kind of a fantasy god right now uh, with his ability to make plays on the ground and through the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, uh, my honorable mention was uh, the Bears versus the Falcons. I mean, uh, <laughs> how are the Falcons going to go about uh, blowing a, another lead? This time 16 points, and this is across essentially the whole second half. Um, but Nick, Nick Foles came in and uh, played all, you know almost lights out, throwing three touchdowns for one interception. So in did the they
0: half. bench Trubisky at halftime? They did. Oh, okay.
2: And uh, Nick Foles has been announced the starter uh, for this weekend. Yeah, I
0: did notice that.
2: um, I feel like it's about time. You know, he's never really been uh, backup quarterback caliber. He's always been more of a – someone capable of, you know, I mean, he won the Super Bowl for the Eagles. uh, Right. So, like, I think it's it's about time he gets a shiny moment. I I think I I choose this game, you know, just because I kind of appreciate him as a player and have a lot of respect for him and overall. Entertaining.
0: And I feel like that's the kind of situation that Nick Foles seems to flourish in when like the odds are like completely against you. I feel like the whole Eagles playoff run was just like the odds are completely against them. Like no one really expected them to win, but they did. And then he came back the year after that, and then they won that they won that game that playoff game against Chicago, the double doink with Cody Parkey. and then. Yeah. And then obviously, obviously this year you see him come in like down by sixteen points or whatever and get to win. So I feel like that's the kind of situation that Nick Foles is built for. Because remember when he signed to, start, get to be, become a starting quarterback with the Jaguars and that didn't really pan out. So I don't know. Like this, this is this might be where he where he does the best. So yeah, it's a solid honorable mention. I mean, I don't know I don't think anybody expected the Bears to go three and zero, and it's honestly impressive that they have. Um, they did it on the back of two pretty good comebacks. They came back against the Lions in Week One. Um, they had a pretty, they kind of had a slugfest of the Giants because Saquon got injured that 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 game, and then obviously this week the big comeback. So interesting to see where they'll go.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's only a matter of time that uh, Mitch Trubisky would get benched, and so uh, this could be kind of a, a season, season uh changing decision here. So mm-hmm. we'll see, what we'll, we'll see where they go.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, oh, one more point that I forgot to bring up about the Rams was, I mean, now that they, f- I feel like they fi- are kind of finding that rushing attack that they used to have in Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson, they're kind of finding in Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown, and I feel like J- um, Jared Goff is slowly starting to become that quarterback that he was um, with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods being pretty reliable targets, so, and the defense seems to be doing just enough to, not, to bend but not break. So maybe this team, um, if they can come back from twenty-eight-three, even though they lost, they can come back from twenty-eight-three. I feel like they can still be that team that made the Super Bowl two years ago. And with the NFC West being just so crazy competitive this year, probably the best division in football. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do when they play some division rivals. But anyways, um, we'll go. We'll wrap it with that, and let's go take a look at how we did in terms of picks last week. Roshan, you are a perfect seven and zero. Um, in our picks, um, I was six and one. I think we had our disagreement in the Kansas City and Baltimore game. I picked the Ravens. Um, you and
1: bet against the five hundred million dollar man?
0: I bet. I bet against the number four player. Then the the fourth best player in the NFL according to the rankings. And I probably made a mistake by putting my uh, putting my money on the number one guy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the perfect, uh, perfect seven and uh, the perfect seven and zero for you, including the uh, one college football game we picked last week. So this week I got eight games for you guys to pick. Let's do a quick lightning round on this. So uh, Brett, uh, get me started. You got? Um, I've got the two one New England Patriots making the trip up to Arrowhead Stadium to play the undefeated Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, man,
2: Camryn's Kim, been struggling. Uh, they're going to be playing in Kansas City. Muhammad. As Russian second hundred million dollar man, I think he's gonna pop up for four touchdowns in the city by ten. If not more
0: I got the chiefs too. I mean, last Cheers. week didn't tell me enough. I don't know. I feel like this week will
1: Chiefs for me.
0: yeah, all right. we got next up. we got the Indianapolis Colts, two and one at the undefeated Chicago Bears. I, I think going to take
1: the Colts on this one actually, mm-hmm.
0: So I actually say, since I feel like Chicago, Chicago is obviously that surprise undefeated team, and they've done on the back of a couple of nice comebacks. But I think with Nick Foles at the helm, like chaos is always going to be there. So I think that chaos uh, will persist, and the Bears will pull this one out. Phillip Rivers yeah, done. Phil Rivers can't second.
2: stop him.
0: Yeah, got that home field advantage. Nick Foles is going to continue, uh, in the right direction. Uh, is home field advantage a thing in, the, in, in, in this year? That was my timer. Um, is home field advantage a thing this year? I know some teams are allowing fans in there, but does it really make an impact? I feel like when you have that full stadium, you really see it. But uh, or
1: uh, There's kind of like a, I mean, there's a bit of like a travel effect, yep, I guess, too. For sure.
2: Like,
1: there's definitely not the noise aspect of false starts. Mm-hmm. And- Communication issues and all that, so I don't think it, it's nearly as big of a. But
0: like I can see, I can I can see the thing of home, Just like the fact that, like I guess, for a home team, you're there in your stadium, you're a little more comfortable there. That can help you play better. But I mean, yeah, that's that's this is a very intriguing game. So you pick the Bears um, next week. We got the undefeated Buffalo Bills traveling out to Sin City to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. I actually like the Raiders in this one. What about y'all? Bills. And
2: this is tough. Both the Raiders. I think Josh Jacobs and Derek Parr are uh, two young guys with uh, a lot of talent, and I think
0: they get it done. Yeah, I don't know whether to be impressed um, by their win against the Saints or not just yet, but I think still a good win, um, and I think they'll be able to continue that uh, momentum at home. So next up, we got the two and one Cleveland Browns traveling down to Dallas to take on the one and two Cowboys. I picked against the Cowboys last week, but I'm not going to do it this time. Uh, I think Baker will finally help this defense force a turnover, and the Cowboys will use it to win it at the death with the last-second field goal.
2: I think Rush will like this. A bit. Cowboys make be touchdowns. <laughs> if you lose to the Browns, I will never let either of you live it down.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> this better I, be the Cowboys. <laughs> all right,
0: all right. Well, I'm surprised to get uh, Roche on my side here. Uh, but next up, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Tennessee Titans. I think that actually, like Pittsburgh in this game, I mean, Tennessee, though they're a solid team, have had a lot of close calls this year. I mean, having to squeak by in Denver, having to squeak by against the Vikings, and then also having to squeak by against the Jaguars. Uh, I think they will finally get that close call, will finally get the best of them, and they will fall to a more complete Pittsburgh team that has been pretty solid so far this year. So,
2: when's the game actually going to be?
0: I, said, I heard it was Monday or Tuesday, if it actually does happen.
2: Yeah, this, one, this one will be big. Uh, Derek, Derek uh, Henry finally had a big game, week. week. Um, man, this is a tough pick. Uh, I'm going to go with the Titans. I'm going to go Steelers on this one. I think the uh,
1: extremely effective front seven so far is going to do a decent job of, of keeping their main mm-hmm. offensive weapon. And I mean, yeah,
0: Tannehill's been pretty quiet this year, so I also feel like that's going to be a factor. Um, so next up, we got the one and two Chargers. Justin Herbert continues to lead them into Tampa Bay against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers.
2: Ooh, Buccaneers are finally finding, finally finding the groove. Um, I think Chris Godwin is at risk of being out this week. Um, but I think, I think the Bucs get it done, um, and Mike Evans is going to have a, a hell of a game.
0: Yeah, I like the Bucks too.
1: Uh, I really like watching Justin Herbert play, though. I go Bucs.
0: Yeah, I'm tempted, too. So now we'll switch it up, and we got our six NFL games out of the way. Let's go look at some college football for this week. So um, one of the games that I, lo- I noticed was um, the number seven Auburn Tigers traveling to go play between the hedges in Athens against the Georgia Bulldogs. So what do you all make of that one um, on an all-SEC schedule? I think Georgia. I think Georgia too. I mean, uh, though, in all SEC schedule, kind of makes it interesting. I mean, I think wasn't Georgia trailing seven to five at halftime against Arkansas last week? I think there's two teams that were trailing that were that were in a seven to five game at some point in the SEC. So, um, I still th- I still think they found the rhythm in the second half, and they'll continue that this week, and they'll take care of Auburn. Yeah, I'm gonna go with
2: Georgia here. It um, Looks like you know. Georgia's got a new quarterback this this season. Uh, There's not much to know so far, but I think Georgia gets it done.
0: All right, sweet. And uh, last up, uh, we got um, our home our um our home team. uh, We got um, the TCU Horned Frogs uh, traveling down to Austin to take on the number eight ranked Texas Longhorns. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just gonna make the homer pick. I'm not gonna be ashamed of it. Hook 'em horns, Um, Texas wins. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't think
2: I'm going to ever pick against
0: Texas this year. I mean, they could be playing Clemson. I'd probably pick Texas. I'd still
2: pick Texas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. Texas gets Jake Smith back this week. I think our offense will be more dynamic than it has been the first two games. Um, and I think we put up at least 30 points on TTU, which I think is enough to get it done.
0: Yeah. I mean, this offense is averaging 61 points per game so far this year, so I don't think the offense is going to be a problem. It's really the defense that will have to figure itself out. It just seems like things just haven't changed. But I'm hoping it will be all right. And you know who else I hope is okay? Bijan Robinson. Uh, you ever heard of, Have you heard anything about him?
2: Oh, man. Uh, I, I heard he's uh, – so he sat out Sunday. and I think he was on track to practice this week, um, either today or it was yesterday. Uh, so, man, that was – a it's a miracle that he's still
0: walking. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, the fact that he's able to walk away from that was um, a miracle in and of itself. But yeah, so that concludes the football section of this podcast. We'll come back um, here in a minute and we'll talk about something interesting that we've got to share with you guys. This is The Live cast. this uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna each talk about something that we found interesting or something that we don't think anyone else knows um that we'd like to share with you guys so uh roshan tell me what you got
1: all right the name of the twitter bird is larry
0: oh larry bird makes sense right (laughs) there you go larry
1: bird indeed
0: I'm trying to think if there's anything similar but uh, with other mascots but I honestly don't think so. Is the MetLife yeah. mascot is the MetLife mascot called Snoopy? Or is that a completely different dog? You know, I'm not too sure. I
1: have no idea. I mean, there's a lot of great mascots out there, so.
0: Oh, the MetLife mascot is Snoopy. Oh, perfect. So, that's weird, because, like, they, because MetLife didn't exactly dream that up, but it still is Snoopy. But, It's
1: interesting to think of, like, how many animal mascots there are, though. Like, Mm -hmm. especially for, like, tech companies, you know, like, I guess you can think of, like, let's see, Geico's... The Gecko. Gecko. And then, like, Aflac has the... The the duck. duck. Or, yeah, duck. What else?
0: I'm, I'm trying to think of others, but that's pretty much all I got. But yeah, man, that's interesting. I mean, Larry the Bird. I didn't. I I don't even thought they would have named it because I mean, it doesn't really have a face. It's just like a an icon more than anything else. Because even the old even the old birds didn't really have eyes or like you could feathers or anything like that. You just saw like the outline of the wings and the and the beak and all that. But yeah, that's cool. Uh, my interesting fact is about um, – since I'm, I'm, I'm big on like aviation things, my interesting fact is about um, Hong Kong International Airport um, um, over there on the other side of the world um, is actually built on a completely man-made island. So Hong Kong, Kai Tak – uh, was obviously running out of space, but the if you if you watch if you look it up on YouTube, um, any of the approaches landing to Hong Kong's old airport are just absolutely insane. They have to make this almost thirty degree bank turn just to line up with the runway to get on to get on final approach, and you have to be a pretty skilled pilot to be able to do that, especially in like a jumbo jet. So um, I think it was pretty cool that they were able to make this on a completely man-made island. And They did this back in like the nineties. Um, I don't know how many tons of dirt they actually used to make that airport but I found that pretty cool and having and having gone there once I didn't actually didn't know that before I flew through there maybe 10 15 years ago and now that I know that it's like wow that is pretty impressive <laughs> it's sick, zebra what you got
2: yeah so for my kind of continuing the the theme of space for this uh, the show uh, my my facts about Neil Armstrong. Astronauts had to spend three weeks in quarantine. Uh, not just, like, in a whole, like, coronavirus quarantine. They were sealed up in, like, a a metal chamber uh, for three weeks to ensure that, you know, in case they picked up some space virus or had been uh, infected by some weird alien microorganism <laughs> that they didn't it to everyone else on Earth. Um, three so, weeks will do the trick. Yeah, three weeks will definitely the trick so here it is
0: yeah that's pretty neat so talk
2: about an abundance of caution yeah there's actually a picture of uh, the three of them in their like metal chamber uh, with uh, you can see them looking through a window in Nixon uh, President Nixon's like, oh really right? mm-hmm. yeah it's great
0: yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Nice. So I like. I like. To, I like our uh, variety of facts. It's better than the longhorn cowfish and the uh, Gibraltar ape that we talked about last. And
1: anything longhorn related is worth talking about, in my opinion
0: Hey, without a doubt, I, I would just wouldn't have expected. Yeah, you should <laughs> just
1: look up the picture. The longhorn cowfish has hexagonal scales.
0: It's like you wonder. What, you wonder if that gives them any advantage, but I, I don't know. <laughs> but Hey, man, that's cool. So, uh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I just wanted to thank you guys for uh, hopping on uh, this week's episode of the Ladcast. Um, we've got a lot more coming your way in these next few weeks and a lot of football to talk about for the rest of this fall, really. So I know we'll have you guys on here regularly. Thanks for making this show um, what it is, really. It wouldn't be the same without you guys. So uh, we'll catch you guys um, not too um, in the pretty near future, I would say, um, it's, um, if you enjoyed being here today. Um, I'm sure it'll be good to have you guys back uh, for another round of it um, or a little more fantasy banner as well as we get later in the season.
1: Absolutely. Glad to
0: be here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. So, yeah, thank you guys and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks for listening in on today's episode. If you like what you heard, have some thoughts, things to talk about, or want to join the show, feel free to let me know on Twitter at at KPTheFirst. If you didn't like what you heard, just remember to at me so that I can actually improve the show. You can find the Ladcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts, including iTunes and Spotify. Uh, Well, with that, uh, thanks once again for giving us a listen this week, and hope to see you back here next Friday.